Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's Ronsley. This is episode 36 of my AI Love Affair, and I'm in sunny, hot Dubai. Beautiful place, amazing, but I want to bring to you this amazing gentleman who we've been chatting a lot since this conversation. His name is Jean-Philippe Chapin Van Thiel from Belgium, and he is an ornithologist, and he is doing some amazing work with artificial intelligence. And we talk about how we can align algorithms that have been in nature for ages. And it is an amazing conversation. We talk about aligning artificial intelligence with algorithms that have existed in nature and creating ecosystems that have no waste products. It's an amazing conversation. It's about how we can create ethical AI and what he's doing to move this forward. Come, let's learn. Hey, it's Ronsley. Welcome, you AI geek, to this podcast, My AI Love Affair. Consider this podcast your digital compass, guiding you through the labyrinth that is business growth using artificial intelligence. Running a business as a creative can sometimes be like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube blindfolded, but what if you had a secret tool that could align all the colors for you? That is AI. It's like a master key unlocking multiple doors. Thanks for being here. Let's learn. Jean-Philippe, it's a pleasure to have this conversation. You know, you've founded Axon.jai and the unique thing about you is that you're a passionate ornithologist seeking to connect the incredible intelligence of nature with AI technology. I love reading that on your LinkedIn profile, but one of my first questions, I suppose, is I'd love to know what impact artificial intelligence has had on your business and in your life around, like, how do you do things differently? I'm an ornithologist because I love nature and I look at nature as my inspiration for everything. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I like this is my fourth endeavor in, in startups scenes. The whole of nature is like something very interesting to me. And this is where I get my inspiration. So, and I'm always saying earth is the biggest and the most successful algorithm ever. It's an algorithm that exists already more than 4 billion years. And it's called reinforcement learning. We are using nature as an inspiration for our algorithms, our way of approaching cases. So we try to connect that with the business. And this is where you find new routes where no one has ever been before on AI. That's new, like the red line and the thing that it gets your creativity and gets your inspiration about. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful to, to hear. And I love how you make some of the connections with uh, nature's algorithm. It's obviously it's, everything's a pattern. And I love the way you thought about that. When I created my new AI company, I, was kind of creating these values that I wanted the company to, to abide by. And one of the commandments of values is like, if we can align the human intelligence with a artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence, whatever you want to call it, with a divine intelligence, then we're kind of on the right path. And that will probably be as ethical as we can get. I'm curious to hear what Axon J is actually doing. So what kind of service are you offering or how the business operate and merge these two concepts yeah so 
before going to that, well, I love simplicity as well. And the more simple you can bring it, the more creative you've been, the more intelligent you've been, the more and the difficult roads you've been through. So what are we doing with action share? In action share, we're working purely in a B2B. So, uh, so basically, but already we're receiving questions go to B2B to C because people are starting because of chat GPT. So I started action share in 2021. And, and we officially started in, in September 21, so before ChatGPT. So there I have to explain what I'm doing during one hour. But now, thanks to ChatGPT, I don't have to do that anymore. Everybody is convinced about it. So now what we're doing is very simple. We predict true behavior of companies based on their ecosystem because companies are giving signals online. And after the COVID, there's a data drift. There's so much data online, so there Every company is giving signals online. And basically what we're doing is we're saying, look, who am I to decide what is important to my customer? I'm a data science specialist. I'm a data and AI specialist. I'm not an HR specialist. I'm not a finance specialist. I'm not a marketing specialist. I'm not that. So basically we put the simple cocktail together of whatever, 10, 15 signals. And then our customer is giving feedback on that. And this is altering the cocktail of signals all the time in real time by giving us feedback, just like on Facebook, like dislike, he's changing the basics of the algorithms all the time based on reinforcement learning. So you've got an evolutive model and at the same time, you can predict the behavior of companies. So if a company is going to lay off people or hire people, well, you might just want a big contract point a new CEO or new sales manager. And it's never one signal, it's always the cocktail that makes the magic and then the feedback on that. And that's how it works. I love how you've taken and you see the patterns that happen in nature and you've applied that and built a business around that to actually deliver value. It's, it's brilliant. And you know, sometimes when I'm talking to someone who, as you say, you know, the neurons are firing and it's all really connected. I, I see this a lot on social media, these new posts about how you don't have to go to university and there might be some truth to that, but you can definitely tell when someone's gone to university and had academic learning and has gone to a point where they've gone deep into a subject. Is there a way that artificial intelligence can actually help us with climate change? And do you see that? And can you explain that if you can make that simple? But the thing is that I always say the answer is always in nature. So don't look outside. If you try to, to look outside to solve it, we always have a problem as humankind. Because the thing is, we try to find something and we'll have brilliant brains working on that. And every time we try to find a solution and try to alter nature with our brains and not look for the answer in nature. We always have a problem. Look at the rainforest, for instance. It's the perfect ecosystem. Everything is upcycled, downcycled, without any byproduct. No byproduct. It's like the ultimate machine. We're not being capable of doing nothing close to that. Nothing. We're, look, we're looking now today at nuclear energy. It's still, to me, one of the best things man invented, but it has one big downside. It has a byproduct and we don't know what to do with the byproduct. And it's every time we do something, it has byproducts, you know, like that are impacting negatively nature or having an influence on that level or that or whatever, and we don't have a solution. So now we luckily are starting to look at, you know, like sun energy, 
electric energy, stuff like that. But that's not new. That already existed. So why do we always have to think outside of nature, look inside of nature? That's the best thing. I have other, other systems like that. We invented air conditioning. Well, if you go to ant colonies, they are all have automatic air circulation and they can keep, you know, like the temperature at a certain level, even when it's 50 degrees outside. So now for the first time in, I think it was in South Africa or, or I don't know, in Mozambique somewhere, one of Southern African countries, they build a shopping mall with an air circulation like that, where they didn't need any air conditioning. You see, so we try to, to look outside of nature, try to control nature, and then we're running into problems. That's a pattern. We should see that from the early start already. So let's look into nature to find a thing like that. I think it's maybe human ego or it's more difficult, I know. Mm -hmm. It's not that simple always, but the yeah. answer always there. Yeah, but now with, you know, augmented artificial intelligence, it's easy to make some of these connections. And, you know, exactly. if I, yeah, so now if I think about the different ages and the different timelines, we had the industrial age and what that did is really commoditized industry and we have machines everywhere and that gave rise to computers, which gave rise to the information age, which made information a commodity. And now we have intelligence becoming a commodity. And especially if you can make connections like how you're making, you can say things like, hey, take uh, examples from nature where there's a cohesion in the existence of the ecosystem. Everything is winning in this whole cycle. Can you use that as an example to create my next product? If this is the outcome I want to deliver, there's ways to kind of use that now that were not there before. Exactly. That's what I'm, I'm saying all the time. I mean, I can continue with stories like that. And these are known stories. Huh? I don't know why industry is not betting big time on this. I mean, you take a, a water lily, take the leaf of a water lily. Did you ever see a leaf of a water lily that is dirt, dirty? No, because it's got a, like a surface with every raindrop that falls on it. It takes the dirt away. Why don't we paint? Why is my car painted like that? I don't have to wash my car anymore. Love your examples. Do you have any more and do you use these a lot? Because these are really no. simple and it seems like we should just be start to think this way. I mean, it's, it's such a simple way to definitely be ethical in the way we are handling artificial intelligence. I, I, I agree, but you know, like you need to have the courage, the simplicity and wanting to strive to simplicity, to look in that direction. And it's not always, yep. you know, like yep. the right way to do yep. it. Like you need to be as a human car, you need to be ready for this. I'll give you another example. It's in physics, it's called entropy. So look at bird migration. you got like the Arctic turn, like a seagull, but the fast one. Well, it nests above the Arctic circle and it winters on the South Pole. So it goes twice a year around the globe. Or a small wow. bird. Wow. Lots of energy. Yeah. Why does it do that? Well, very simple because when it goes above the Arctic circle, there's so much food over there in spring and early summer that it's worthwhile taking all this risk because like to have chicks over there and feed them is lesser energy than going twice around the world. That's one of the main reasons. And that's called entropy. That's you know, like, it flows where the less energy is needed. So we should start thinking about that as well. So, and, uh, and 
it's so fascinating you're saying that because uh, we have been brought up in a world where we're taught that only working hard and pushing and going over and jumping and breaking through the wall is the way to do it. But actually, when you achieve flow and you go with the universe or however you want to say that, you're, you're better off finding a path that works. Um, yeah, I'm a strong, I'm a strong believer in that. I'm a strong believer in that. It's, it's, you know, like in, 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 in the past, um, but that's my personal opinion. In the past, stubbornness was rewarded all the way. If I, I would speak a little bit in black and white, stubbornness was rewarded all the way. Like something needs to go with a certain rhythm and a certain easiness. If it's not going with a certain easiness, you're like, don't force it. Mm. Mm. I love it. I think the world has come more to a world than you know, like it goes into that. But I don't think we're coming to that time. You know, like I think times are changing on that. Much time is changing yeah. a lot, and with the change of of intelligence, obviously, I think we've got to change more. Otherwise, we might not have a species left. So I want to land this conversation and land this plane on this concept. And my question is, I mean, you've obviously thought about this a lot. What are your methods to going about? making things simple so say you have something that you're thinking about like is there a way or there are certain ways that you start to break a certain topic down to start to make it simple do you have any of those methods yes there are several methods of doing that so i like to map everything so i'm like mapping everything it could be physically could be in my brain could be you know like that's one thing another thing is i don't believe that i have the answer to everything mm. like talking to people, having their input, you know, like making your map multidimensional because talking to somebody else is another dimension. So you see, so, so this helps a lot to me as well. So that's the way how you make those waves go in direction you never thought before, because they are giving, it's, it's not a mirror, but you're like, it bounces back. Yeah. And that's the thing, how you make your map multidimensional. And once you can grasp the multidimensional of your idea or of your creativity or whatever, then you, you need to, you start, or I'm starting to see some patterns and starting to see some things that you're like, okay, let's drill down to this. This is the essence. This is the thing you need to do. You know, like you see in the picture as well here, I need to see somewhere close to me because otherwise I can't do that. It doesn't flow. Interesting. Yeah. So you found out a way to do that, how much your environment even dictates the flow that happens in your daily life. Yes, that's correct. But first you need to go, you need to go and research. You need to go get all the elements in. But my brain is one dimension, I would say. Then you need to talk to people who are bringing other dimension, giving you other, you know, like path mm -hmm. and way mm -hmm. to, or doors to go to other dimensions. And when you can map all that, then you're like, you need to rethink and then you can come to, to the essence and to the simplicity. Uh, well, you know, I've always and said that literature review in today's world is one of the most underused parts of putting out any con piece of content and having yeah, any insight. Totally you know? agree. This is part of mapping the thing. So you, when you start thinking, you need to, and that's maybe my academic or my scientific brain, you need to try to get as you all the pieces together. But that's only you. And that's the problem with more scientific people. It's only you. You need to peer. You need to talk to other people to open doors to other dimensions. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be academic people. And eh? they, whatever. I mean, there are like more dimensions in the world than 
than you're aware of. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, John Philippe, this has been really cool. I loved having this conversation with you and thank you for the insights and, and the beautiful, simplistic ways of thinking. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Hey, AI Geek, thanks for listening. Your job doesn't stop here. I want you to lend your voice to the conversation. So you can join those conversations, discussions, new trainings, new recordings, and the rest of the AI Geeks by going to aigeeks.co slash discord. Also, share this podcast with a friend, another potential AI Geek. Until then, much love 